1984. This is Radio Islam International. Insight and analysis. It's just gone 7.33 Central African time. You are listening to Sabah al-Muslim coming to you live from the precinct of City Hall in Cape Town as we prepare for the State of the Nation address which the President will be delivering this evening at 7 p.m. As we also prepare for the State of the Nation address, we also understand that the President is currently ill and under the weather, despite that the spokesperson is confirming his participation and he will be delivering the eighth State of the Nation address. And this is the final one before the general elections. We have two guests at the moment, one in studios, uh, the Minister, uh, Minister Ibrahim Patel, and we've also got the Minister of Home Affairs, Minister Arun Matsaledi. Uh, Minister of Home Affairs, Minister Arun Matsaledi, thank you very much and welcome to Radio Islam International. Thank you very much, Habib. Good morning to the listeners. Minister, how significant is the State of the Nation address that the President will be delivering? Well, State of the Nation addresses are always significant because the nation gets a report back about what has been happening, but they also get the glimpse into the future about what's going to happen. This particular one, remember, is after five years and it's after 30 years. And so it has got many, apart from being an annual address, so it has got many anniversaries in it. Mm -hmm. We also have the Minister of Trade and Industry, Minister Ibrahim Patel, in studios who are joining us for this conversation. Uh, Minister, how worried are you about uh, the blockage of the ships at the port because of the transnet issues? Uh, talk to us about that and do you think that the President will touch on it this evening? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Maulana to you and to all the listeners. I'm sitting here on uh, the Grand Parade in your studio and the city hall is behind us. It's a, an early morning buzz in Cape Town as I walk through it. Yeah, I've seen young school children go to school, early office workers trying to get to their office uh, before the day uh, really, really starts. And tonight we're going to have... Um, the, the last State of the Nation address by the President in this administration. And I recall five years ago, uh, the President addressed the nation uh, in June 2019, and the world was very different then. And as the President um, spoke about his vision, uh, then we can expect tonight that the President will also uh, want uh, to take the nation into his confidence and share some of the uh, the journey that we've been on, what we, we wanted to do, what were some of the headwinds and challenges we faced, and what was the progress we've made. One area of challenge that we've uh, had to confront is the transport logistics one. South African, our economy is um, uh, very reliant on um, a competitive and well-functioning transport logistics. Much of our industrial output <clears throat> is inland in, in Gauteng, and um, ports are an important way of uh, ensuring that we exchange goods, we buy machinery, we sell products to the rest of the world. And over the, the last period, we've had real challenges in Transnet. Some of these uh, come from the weakening of the institution during the state capture period. Uh, and some of it has been through, <coughs> excuse me, underinvestment in the necessary uh, improvement in um, uh, the technologies and the machinery 
that a modern port uses. So we've had delays in ships um, uh, docking and we put together a team of private sector and public sector players to look at this to see how we can improve the systems. We've had already a reduction in the waiting time in the port of Durban, which is Africa's busiest gateway port. And um, uh, I, for, for me, in, in, in the area that I work on, transport logistics and the ports are absolutely fundamental. Our economy is very reliant on trade. And uh, when we have a sluggish performance in a port, then it impacts on um, growth and on jobs. And therefore, we, uh, we've worked closely with colleagues to ensure that we turn around uh, and, and, and work with the private sector too. And, and I think we've got some early success stories, but there is more to be done because we haven't completely cracked the challenge. But um, I am pleased to say, though, and to emphasize the progress that has been made. Minister Anand Matsaledi, the issue of illegal migration, we see the influx of illegal uh, migrants crossing into our country from the various border posts. How worried about are you of the issue and what is the plan to mitigate the crisis and also given the fact that the president will be, uh, well, do you think will you be addressing this tonight? Well, it has been a crisis for a long time, and the plans did not start now. Maybe I need to give you uh, historical facts about this issue for you to understand mm. where we are. You may remember that during apartheid, our borders were fortresses. There was almost a soldier every meter. Uh, white farmers were even given farms there around the borders and given arms, arms to be heavily armed. And there were even electric fences. For instance, as a matter of fact, I know there was a big electric fence around Kruger National Park between us and Mozambique because they had to stop freedom fighters. People were fighting for their freedom. They were fighting apartheid and apartheid government was, was trying to fight back. Now, after liberation, Tata Nelson Mandela took over and declared that we are no longer at war. We are not fighting with our neighbors. We are a democracy. We should live in peace. And all those things were removed. The mistake that we committed and we concede to that mistake is the fact that nothing was, uh, uh, it, it was not replaced with anything. That is a management of borders under democracy. In 2009, the, the structure called NICOC, that is the structure that uh, uh, coordinates intelligence services, military intelligence, crime intelligence, financial intelligence center, even civilian intelligence and state security. It, it looked at what you call intelligence estimate and found that, yes, indeed, we have got a problem at our borders. The problem we have just described, Habib, it was picked up at that time and they recommended that a new authority to manage borders have to be put together. But unfortunately, it took Parliament about 12 years or so to put up and, I mean, to pass an act because there were differences on how the borders ought to be managed. It took that long. But to put up an act that will establish a border management authority. At long last, the border management authority has been established. It is a new baby on the block but it's already making very, very serious inroads in making sure that we we, 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 we kept this sketch of illegal migration into our country. Uh, and so at the moment, we are very hopeful 
that the advent of the border management authority means that it's a big mitigating factor to the issue of illegal migration of course it don't stop migration nobody on earth can stop migration it's also as old as humanity the aim of the border management authority is to make sure that we keep irregular migration which is very destructive irregular or illegal migration as you said which is very destructive to the economy uh, minister ibrahim coming back to you on the floor you know we see america threatening the agoa treaty because of south africa's support for palestine your take on the matter well, <clears throat> let, let me start uh, molina by by making the point that um trade is important for us we trade with um, uh, all parts of the world with east and with west uh, with the united states we have um, uh, two ways in which <clears throat> we're able to get goods into the U.S. market. The first is through the general rules, which is called the World Trade Organization Most Favored Nation Rule. And the second one is through uh, something called AGOA, that's the African Growth and Opportunity Act, which is an act of the U.S. Congress uh, that gives sub-Saharan African countries preferential access to the U.S. market. We hosted an AGOA forum uh, a few months ago in uh, in November last year and uh, what we we reached out to the American policymakers at the time was uh, the the importance of extending AGOA for a further 10-year period. AGOA expires in 2025 and uh, the mood in the United States generally on trade is rather bleak. America is not entering into new trade agreements or facilities uh, and in fact, there's a lot of focus there on the reindustrialization of the United States. So in that forum, I think what we all walked away from is a realization and an understanding of how important AGOA is, yes, for the African continent, but also how the United States benefits from this trade relationship. And um, uh, though there are complex geopolitical challenges we have to navigate, uh, our foreign policy is independent. South Africa has always taken the view from the time of President Nelson Mandela that um, we've got to take a principled stance on matters of foreign policy. That when young children are killed, when um, uh, innocent people are bombed, when uh, Palestinians are denied their right not only to, um, to statehood but also to, to life and dignity, the world cannot stand aside and say, well, it's going to be too expensive to get involved. We were there once. South Africa under apartheid faced a long period when there was silence from many, many parts of the world. And it took people of courage, people of principle uh, to, uh, to, to speak out uh, and to, uh, uh, to begin to mobilize public sentiment uh, against what was happening in South Africa. Similarly, in Palestine now, it's a matter of enormous uh, importance to us that we live in a rules-based system. And the rules must apply to the powerful as much as it um, applies to the powerless. And therefore, South Africa has taken the stand. It's taken the stand because a Palestinian life is as important as a South African life. Uh, and this uh, tradition of solidarity is deeply embedded in uh, the ruling party, the African National Congress, and it, of course, guides government policy in matters like this. So we want to maintain our relationship with the United States. We reach out to them. We trade with them. There are many areas that we agree on, but there are some areas 
that we do not have the same view, and uh, and clearly Palestine is one of those issues. Minister, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated on Radio Islam International. Uh, Minister of Home Affairs, Minister Arun Matsaledi, the issue of corruption at home affairs, we've seen during the course of the year, in the last 24 months also, a number of people been arrested because of the corruption and the allegation of facilitating documents and papers for foreigners who are coming into the country. Um, how, how much progress has been made on that front and what can you update the House at the moment? No, indeed, indeed, uh, it is exactly the reason why Home Affairs is the only government department that has got the whole branch uh, uh, that is counter-corruption. What I mean is you, you are aware how government departments are divided. We have got the DG followed by the DDG, the second in charge, who are, are, are uh, the DDG's main branches within government. Then comes chief directors, then directors, then deputy directors. Now, in Home Affairs, we have got a whole branch headed by DDG, which deals with counter-corruption. You can check all government departments. They don't have that. They would rather have a director or even a chief director for, for, for risk management, but never a deputy director general. So it is that realization that made us have that. And uh, it's a very active branch, the, 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 the issue of the uh, deputy director general, because I personally said uh, in many government departments, when you talk corruption, we are talking about supply chain. But in home affairs, you don't have to wait for supply chain for corruption to manifest. Anywhere where you find the home affairs office, there's a possibility of corruption there. And that's why we're looking at it like that. But I also have said, and I've said it about three years ago, that if in fighting corruption, I need to replace two thirds of, of the employees or workforce in home affairs, so be it. And we are definitely following that. You are right. That's why we are saying we are charging people. We we even had a very very big investigation after Pastor Bushiru of Malawi uh, was discovered to have been having a permanent residence permit, which was obtained by fraud, and he used that permanent residence permit to go and defraud his own congregation for 102 million rand, and the hawks arrested him. Since that time, we've discovered that he was given those documents by our own officials. We have fired them. We have submitted them over to the Hawks. Uh, uh, they are investigating them criminally. So we, we are very, very serious about the issue of corruption because if we don't, uh, uh, apart from losing money, it will destroy all our systems. Like I'm sure you are already aware, the reason that South Africans have to apply for a visa to go to the UK it's because our passport was being defrauded. And you are aware that we did arrest, uh, 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 in April, in March 2022, we arrested a Pakistani national who was a mastermind. We arrested him in our Kruger's top offices, who was a, a mastermind behind, behind passport fraud in our country. He's still in jail, and we arrested him together with Home Affairs officials who were working with him. Mm-hmm. Minister, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated on Radio Islam International. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bringing us up to 7.49, 7 Central African time. You are listening to Radio Islam International.